Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a... No my haere mai, kia ora. Welcome to Books and Beyond's Literary Lounge. This is your host, Alison, and I'm joined in the studio today by my colleague, Inika. Kia ora, Inika. Kia ora, Alison. Well, look, today's Literary Lounge comes to you on rather a sombre note as we're witnessing um, these enormous Black Lives Matter uh, marches all around the world, and we're seeing the um, sense of outrage and weariness in people and and a feeling we're really getting that feeling that now is the is the time for change to happen absolutely it's so overdue isn't it i mean it's, yes. it's, it's a such a long road um, 400 years mm-hmm. of struggle and the work of so many people along the way you know um, small successes big successes significant but also just just such a long way to go um, you know, today's Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, stands on the shoulders of giants, and that's a phrase that Karen used in last week's episode, yes. and I love it. Um, but there is still such a long way to go. Um, one thing that I'm really heartened by is that this time around, the protests in this case, you know, there's been such um, a large groundswell. I guess, of protests. Yeah. And it's not just in one or two communities. It's um, all over the states, in big cities, small towns, um, lots of people from lots of different backgrounds protesting. So not just um, the uh, African-American community. Um, they're being joined by their neighbours and their friends and their colleagues and their family members from all over the place. And, of course, it's gone global as well. Yeah, it's it's good good to see, isn't it? Yeah, um, you know, thinking about this, I you know I'm a person who lives with white privilege, and um, they say they do say that one of the best things that white folk can do in times like this is actually be quiet and mm. listen mm-hmm. and learn. And um, I was thinking about this actually because libraries are places of lifelong learning and discovery, so they're perfect in a time perfect place in a time like this because they've got so many resources for people who want to listen to the the voices of the oppressed um, and listen and listen to those courageous conversations that need to be had about racism oh, and just get in there and learn absolutely I mean something that's coming through really strongly at the moment is um, the real importance of not putting the weight of educating um, yourself or educating ourselves um, back onto the people who are most affected by yeah. the by the issues at hand. Um, so in that case, the libraries is really your friend. Um, it's a great place to come and do the research, um, do the reading, do the listening and the watching, and then just to sit with those those learnings really and reflect and have a really good think about um, how the issues that you're learning about intersect with your own experience, the experience of the people around you. Um, and really think about perhaps your actions of the past and maybe inactions of the past. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and also, you know, I think it's important, as you say, to be courageous and definitely be prepared to make lots of mistakes, but also yeah. to learn from them and um, and just always work to, be, to do better. Yeah. And as you say, you know that um, thing about inaction mm-hmm. um, is inaction is actually an action and we need to know that now don't we that's so true that's so true yeah um 
someone I'll be talking about later in the episode, um, Lavi Ajayi, says, you know, your silence serves no one. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Gosh, and, you know, they say that life imitates art, or is it? the other art imitates life or is it both (laughs) i'm never sure on that one i think they inform each other yeah Yeah. because as it happens you and i've both been reading books that are quite appropriate to the the conversations that are, are taking place right at this moment so i feel as though it's it's okay that we we talk about what we're reading at the moment and what's on our TBR list. Cool. And even um, we still should have time for a couple of hot tips. Oh, definitely. making the most of your reading with Auckland Libraries. So I'll just jump in here. Um, what I've just been reading, and just as all of this this um, dreadful mm. um, heartbreak um, started to happen around us. I was just reading An American Marriage um, ah. by Tayari Jones, um, which is available in the libraries um, in book form. Um, it's in regular print, large print, e-book, e-audio, mm. you name it, we've got it. Cool. Now, she won the um, two, 2019 Women's Prize for Fiction mm-hmm. with this book, and I'm deservedly so, I would say. Now, it's, oh, man, it's a powerful book. It's about, um, basically, about the marriage of a middle-class African-American couple Mm -hmm. uh, whose names are Roy and Celestial. Beautiful name, Celestial, isn't it? it's lovely. And anyway, their lives are torn apart when Roy is wrongfully arrested Mm -hmm. and then convicted of a a violent crime that he didn't commit. He was um, one of so many... Um, black Americans who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. Um, and so there's this absolutely appalling miscarriage of justice and he gets sentenced to 12 years in jail. Oh, the story is too common, hey? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And reading it, I found that I learned a lot about um, racial profiling and also the role of policing in oppressed communities. Mm. Even though I've known about this on an intellectual level for, for some time, but this novel, it really makes you feel that raw, kind of powerless stuff that oppressed people must be experiencing every day. Mm-hmm. So the story, it, it focuses on the relationship between Roy and Celestial. Um, and we learn, um, as the novel progresses, we learn that it their relationship was precarious to start with because they're both really young and mm-hmm. um, while Roy's in prison, Celestial has a best friend who she seems to be getting closer and closer to. And so Roy, of course, is understandably jealous. Sure. And then, yeah, under, yeah, as you would be. And so how how can this American marriage survive oh. what's happening? So that that's basically the, the question that the plot asked. But on a deeper level, um, the book's about a, a justice system that seems to be obsessed with incarcerating black Americans mm. and um, also a, a community that's divided along the lines of race and class. It's such a powerful read. Um, I found it really hard to put put down. Yeah, It's one I'd advise everyone to read, but it'll make you angry. 
Oh, I bet. Yeah, this has been on my t- uh, tibialis for a little while, and uh, my sister's got it on her pile at the moment, so I have to grab it from yes, there. Yes, you might have to yeah. just um, grab that. Just sneak uh, that off her pile. Yes, especially since you're buying a lunch today. Absolutely. I think, yes. I think so, she owes me one. Yeah, you're allowed to have that book. <laughs> yeah, read it before she does. Yeah. Hey, and then the next one um, that I've just been reading as well, so this is perfect timing, um, and you've read this one too, it's The Nickel Boys um, ah, by yes. Colson Whitehead. Yes. Also available in all our formats, so book, um, audio, CDs, you know, those round mm. round spinny things. I think I remember yeah. those. <laughs> and um, the <laughs> e-book, e-audio. Um, another book about a talented young African-American Man, a young man called Elwood Curtis, uh-huh. um, who finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Common theme. Absolutely. Now, this one's um, set in the 1960s. Um, so he's, poor old Elwood, he's completely innocent of any wrongdoing and he ends up serving time in um, absolutely brutal reform school which is called Nickel, mm. and it's in the um, in Florida. So the book um, is inspired by the the true story of an, a notorious boys' reform school that was in Florida, and it ran for about a hundred years, I think. And do you know it only closed its doors in two thousand and eleven, oh. and it's thought they think that. Um, more than a hundred boys actually died there from the horrific beatings that oh, were dished out by the staff. Absolutely shocking, isn't and it? These kids, these boys, some of them were only eight years old. It's oh, just, uh, it's awful, isn't it? And what I find just appalling is the authorities still don't really even know how many boys died in this place. And what an indictment! Oh, absolutely. I mean, these these kids. Um, you know, in the book, you just got really got the impression of of just how um, you know the whole society really looked away. Yes, really looked, looked away from the these kids way. as soon as they were in the school. The eyes of the community were off that. Yes, that that child. Yeah, yes, yeah. and that's and that's then it that was no holds barred inaction by the rest of us, isn't it? That's yeah. right. And um, it's as you can imagine, it's a bit of a um, survival of the fittest mm. inside um, Nickel and um, he, Elwood has a best friend in the institution who's a real survivor called Turner. That's right. And I was saying to you yesterday, wasn't I, that Turner sort of reminded me of Huckleberry Finn in yes. a way um, except that Turner is um, African American mm. and um, you know, Huck Finn was a sort of a, a vagabond. He was called Vagabond. Or, <laughs> um, and he got away with doing things like stealing chickens and yes, he stealing did. boats. and Talked his way out of it. Talked, yeah. yeah. But a guy like Turner, you know, um, there was there was no mercy shown to him, was no, there? Absolutely just, not. Yeah. And again, that comes back to that racial profiling and, yeah, Absolute double standards. Absolutely. Can, yes. Mm. Yeah. So once again, I, I think this is one that everyone should read. Um, it is it's uncomfortable reading. I certainly found that so. But it's, um, I think it's a really important description of racism, white supremacy, violence against black people and also um that economic exploitation oh absolutely yeah there's some really memorable scenes in the book where um the um the wardens and the commissioners are basically uh taking uh 
government-funded food for the school and then selling it on the black market around the community and then actually having the boys help to distribute that food that's meant for their mouths and selling it to people in their... um, in the wider community mm, uh, mm. and the money being pocketed. Yeah. Oh, it's awful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Really, really awful. Yeah. yeah. But it's a must read. It so, is. Yeah. And it um, won the Pulitzer, didn't it? I think. I think oh, it, yes. Goodness. Yeah, yes. You're absolutely it, right. Just in the last couple of months, yes. I think, it was announced as winning yes. the Pulitzer. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So now, what have you been up to in the last... Yeah. couple of weeks well i um i wanted to have a look back at the um really the the startings of the black lives matter movement as mm. as we're seeing it play out here today and um the black lives matter movement really was sparked in 2014 and again it was based from a um the killing of an african-american man uh, michael brown yeah. by a policeman uh, darren wilson and um he was shot in in the streets and um, he was actually left in the street for four hours without any medical attention, no one coming to check oh. whether he was alive or dead, no assistance. And um, a neighbour who witnessed this described it as um, like he didn't belong to nobody. Mm. And um, the book that I read, which was about this case and about it took six um different um, aspects of the Black Lives Matter movement and cases. Um, it was called A Nobody, uh, Casualties of America's War on the Vulnerable from Ferguson to Flint and Beyond. And it's by Mark Lamont Hill, mm. published in 2016. And it's available in the nonfiction section and you'll find it on e-audio as well. Um, the book looks at um, some famous cases that that many of us will have heard of. Um, so it looks at um, Eric Garner, oh, yes. who was um, who's obviously killed in r- pretty similar circumstances um, in that same year, 2014, by a chokehold gone wrong. And this one was in New York instead of Ireland. And um, Eric Garner's um, cries for help were, uh, I can't breathe. Oh. And that's that really was um, the defining... Uh, that, that's, of course, another... It's a voice that has been used in the protests at the yes. moment. Um, I didn't realise, I actually, when I was looking up some information about this, I didn't realise that the cop responsible for his death was only dismissed from service last year, mid-last year, so five years after the event. Mm. Um, in that way, thinking about the protests that we've just been witnessing, um, obviously action has been a lot faster in this case. But again, how much protest and how much anger had to come out in order to have that happen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So the book looks at, um, as I say, a number of different cases, um, but it's really focusing on the larger circumstances surrounding these high-profile incidents. So um, it looks at the broken justice system in America. It looks at the fact that um, police budgets um, skyrocketing um, while crime itself, crime rates are actually decreasing. Mm. It looks at the fact that um, in America, over 90% of the cases um, are actually not going to trial. So then it's not a trial by jury. Instead, um, the system is kind of built to um, promote going through plea bargain system. Oh, yes. Um, really, in the motivating factor is to get those cases shifted along as quickly as possible. So lots of deals are being made between um, your public defenders and your public prosecutors who are kind of caught 
between a rock and a hard place with huge numbers of um, crimes due to over-policing and a, um, a general kind of mistrust of the public and yeah. just a totally different police system, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and it's like a production line in a way, oh, isn't it? And you just getting them, pushing them through the courts. and That's right, yeah. that's right. I mean, some, one thing I didn't realise was that, you know, there's sort of a fixed dollar amount um, on each of these um, cases and the more that you can process through, the more money that goes um, goes through the system. Yeah. Mm. And then when you think about the end result of that and you look at the, the incarceration rates, yeah, it all becomes this really deeply um, broken system. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the def- defund the police movement that you may have, um, or call for defunding the police that you might have heard uh, in the yes. last little while, that really looks at the fact those uh, those police budgets being out of control um, when crime rates are decreasing. And Mark Hill Lamont's um, case is really for putting that money for those huge police budgets um, back into services of public goods such mm. as housing, education and public health. Yeah. Oh, God. Mm. I really want to read that one. Looking it's really to it. fascinating. Yeah, really, really fascinating. Um, and another uh, couple of books I wanted to talk about, really looking at um, the roots of contemporary racism and those roots lying in colonialism and colonialism colonialist practices um so i just wanted to talk about a couple of books which are not about the american situation per se but um they're both by british journalists um and both were published in the sort of post 2016 brexit referendum time so um really looking at you know britain's turn towards the conservative um the first one is um brit ish and the ish is oh, in brackets. Yes. Yeah. Um, Brit ish on race, identity, and belonging by Afua Hirsch, uh, 2018 book, um, available in the nonfiction section and in e formats. And the second one is Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race by Rennie Edo Lodge, 2017 book, uh, again, nonfiction and e formats available. So um, both of these books are looking at really um, British imperialism and colonialism as the roots of racism um, against people of colour. Um, it looks, they both look at um, hidden black histories, they look at white privilege and the structural racism that's built into um, so many of our systems, um, education, justice and the workplace. Um, both authors are Guardian journalists. Um, Afua Hirsch um, is from a pretty privileged background. She grew up in Wimbledon. She was an Oxford um, scholar um, even with her background, she is a lawyer and a journalist. She um, sort of documents the microaggressions and the casual racism that she still mm-hmm. experiences, um, despite having, you know, so many of the privileges, um, such as, you know, really high, high-level private education and access mm-hmm. to, to many ears. Um, it really follows her search for identity. Um, she was born in the UK to a Ghanaian mother, and her dad is a German-Jewish um, Yorkshireman. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Rennie Edo Lodge is um, coming from a different perspective. Her book here was um, was born from a 2014 blog post that went really huge, went really viral. It looks at the intersectionality of feminism, race and class. And a really important point that, um, that Rennie Edo Lodge makes in this book is that it's really important that white people don't hide behind um, a sort of a colour blindness oh, um, yes, perspective. 
phrase. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right, Alison. So um, I don't see colour. Mm. I treat everyone equally. Um, so really important, she says, that everyone should be asking themselves who benefits um, from the race, their race, and who is disproportionately impacted by those negative stereotypes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's really important conversations to be having. It really is. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of people, I think, can learn some things from that. You know, the, the old chestnut, I, I don't see colour. Yeah, that's right. It needs to be really sort of unpicked, I think, pulled apart. and. That's. I think you're totally yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't really help anybody to, to use that phrase no, or to think in no. that way. It's just like minimising people's pain is it absolutely right yeah. Yeah. yeah oh fantastic can't wait to to have a look at those yeah ones. well because they're a couple of years mm. old you know hopefully there won't be very long queue on them so yeah i yes. recommend to check it out get them get amongst it yeah hey and um what's on your tbr list at the moment, you're ah. ever, um, ever increasing, is it? Or, no, it should be ever decreasing. <laughs> it should be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> On my TBR list, I have um, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Um, this has just been published. Um, Britt Bennett, um, her previous book was called um, The Mothers, and that's about four years old now. Um, so The Mothers um, is available in our fiction section. And it's available in multiple formats. Um, so the mothers followed three young African-American people in a tight-knit church community who are all dealing with sort of different forms of loss. And they've got sort of a tangled relationship with each other, so the three of these um, these characters. And the mothers of the title are the older women of their church who are sort of like a Greek chorus judging from above and um, putting their own spin on what's going on in these young people's mm. lives. <laughs> the Vanishing Half is... Um, it's really hotly anticipated. It's about um, twin African-American girls who are living in a long-established community of um, light-skinned African-Americans. So in this community, um, they're really fiercely protective of their skin colour and um, they see it as um, something to be um, preserved within their community and they go to great lengths to do that. Um, so that's kind of an interesting concept and, mm. I, you know, it sort of comes into this um, idea of colorism that some people might have heard of. Yeah. Um, it's a sad fact that in, in some communities um, for African-Americans, you know, light skin, lighter skin is considered an advantage and um, is something to be sought after. And it's considered more attractive. So this is a really complex issue. And actually, I don't think, um, from what I've read, it's not exclusive to the African-American community. We can see this in skin bleaching treatments in lots of different communities. And it really comes down to those perceptions of beauty and value, which um, are so so divisive and so damaging. Yes. Um, So in this this book, yeah, um, it's about these twins. One um, really breaks that cycle and um, marries into another community. Another one goes and uh, into another community and becomes um, white passing. And oh. then it looks at the generations beyond that and how those two experiences um, play out. Yes. Mm. Oh, I, that sounds... that. Yeah, I can see why that's really hotly anticipated. Yeah, really, really interesting. Mm, but so very complex, very complex, and nuanced. That's um, right. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And um, another one I've got on my list is um, 
is by Lavi Ajayi, who I mentioned earlier. Um, her book, I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual, um, this is, uh, it would be a, um, from from her blog, I imagine I haven't read it, but um, she describes herself as a professional troublemaker, which oh, I absolutely love. Don't you just love that? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, <laughs> she um, she's an, a fiercely intelligent young woman. Um, she is uh, Nigerian born, but um, grew up in in the states, and um, she's all about throwing shade and spilling her tea all over the place. Really, so she looks at the intersection of pop culture, social media, um, black culture and um, how we should be doing better, really. So for Lovey, if you want a taste of Lovey before you go ahead and order I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual, um, I would say go on to YouTube and have a look at her 2018 TED Talk called Get Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. Uh, it's uh, less than 10 minutes, um, but it's all awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, what a great title too. And because that's really what we all need to be doing. That's right. That's right. I think, you know, she's got a great metaphor in there about being the first domino in the row to speak up Mm. um, that discomfort and how that can be frightening but also empowering. Yeah. Oh, she sounds amazing. She is. Yeah. And we'll put that link up on our show notes too. That'd be great. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's exciting. Um, now, I've just got uh, one, or I've got one on order. Um, mm. So, for my TBR, or well, I shouldn't say I've only got one on my TBR. No, never. Me. It's never. more like a <laughs> hundred or a thousand. <laughs> but um, the one that is about to come to me um, is called The Vulture, and it's by uh, Gil Scott Heron. Mm. And um, now he was um, an American soul and and jazz poet. Um, He was a performance poet, an African-American man, and he always spoke truth to power. And um, this one, um, did I say it's called The Vulture? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I'll say it again. It's called The Vulture. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think it is. Um, So anyway, this one is is fiction. Um, Most of what he he wrote was was Mm non-fiction, but it's a murder mystery uh, set in New York. It's loosely based on fact, though, and it's about the death of um, a black teenager in New York and it's a a real classic originally um, published in 1970 Mm -hmm. um, but it's still in print because it's it's so good and it's regarded as being very um, what's the word seminal yes that's the word yes and gee you know we're still having the same conversations that's the thing and so um, in the book um, he He's asking those sort of broad questions about a society that seems to, is just so deadly to, mm. to black men. That's right. So I should get that within the next day. I'm oh, really good. I'm looking forward to, to, to reading to that. sitting down with that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we're up to the spot where we can do our, our tips and tricks. Oh, very good. Um, so we was kind of talking about this just earlier, weren't we? And we're probably saying our tips takeaway tip mm. this morning or today is actually stop listening to us <laughs> and um, listen to the the following um, the voices of people who have the lived experience and you know they say it so much better than than we ever could absolutely it's, yeah. yeah it's so important to do that absolutely so one um, that I, I would recommend to listen to and we'll put the link up to this as well, um, also by Gil Scott Heron, mm. called 
the revolution will not be televised. I love and, this song. Yeah, yeah. and some, some people will be familiar with it, but it is still so relevant. Um, and it was written in 1970, right. um, and it's set to, to music. Um, and he wrote it at a time of unrest and rage in America. Mm-hmm. Um, can you believe, you know, 50 years ago. That's right. We're still talking about the same stuff. And there were two um, really horrific events in 1970 that helped sort of shape the fury and rage of the time. Mm. And they both involved university students being gunned down by and murdered by the police and National yeah. Guard. So have a listen to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Highly recommended. Um, my tip um, for listening to um, the voices of people's lived experience is to have a look at our um the BWB texts. Um, so for those of you who may not have heard of these, um, these are by Bridget William Books. Um, they are short reads on interesting topics and they're available in our physical collection and they're also available um, on our online collection. So if you search for the BWB texts online collection, you'll find um, a huge number of titles written by um, a diverse range of Aotearoa voices. And the one I would... T- um, suggest you start with is Imagining Decolonisation and this book is for all New Zealanders who are exploring what decolonisation might look like how we can contribute to it irrespective of whether we're Indigenous uh, Māori or not and why we might want to and um, so it's um, from a number of voices and you'll find heaps of fab- fascinating topics um, in that collection. Yeah it's really good isn't it the it's BWB Really good. Yes, I yeah. highly, highly recommend Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And available right now to yes. look at. Yeah. So, look, oh, thanks for that. That's a great tip. Um, wow. So, this has been, it's, you know, as I say, we've, we're in a somber mood, but um, it's time to, to get out there and get uncomfortable. Absolutely. It? We've got to get get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, thanks for um, for joining me today and thanks to the listeners. Um, so we just want to say um, until next time, we wish you happy reading and informative reading. Um, so, hi there, Kakite Ano. Kakite Ano. This program was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day.